Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I uh, look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Like I know just with the week with us and having the boys home because there was some conjunctivitis at daycare and a couple of other bits and pieces and we're like, I'll just keep them at home. I'm trying to keep two young boys happy, occupied, feeling like their day has amounted to something is really, it's hard. Mm. And then you get to the end of the day and you go, geez, I'm cooked. Mm. And you want some time for yourself. But by the time you get to that point, you're too tired and you just go, I'm just, next thing you know, you're asleep and you're like, she didn't get any time for myself again today. So all that focus on the kids and keeping them moving in that direction, they're none for yourself. And it just would build and build and build and build. I know after like a week of us having a lockdown, I was thinking about one of my mates in Sydney text me and um, just to check in with me and I said, mate, don't worry about checking in with me. I said, I'm mm. I'm fine. We've only been in lockdown for a little bit and outside of, you know, obviously everything else that's going on, I'm, I'm actually going really well. But for him, he's really, really struggling and he openly admitted he said, mate, I'm like so close to just uh, breaking down every day. That's not funny. He said, but I just think about you and what you're doing and what you're going through. And he said, and it's just enough to just kick me over a little bit and bring everything back into perspective and go, this will end and we'll get through this. But there are other people that are dealing with bigger things. But unless you're connected to someone that's going through that sort of stuff or you've been around it enough, people, I guess, just see it as a... God, we're locked in. It's like being in prison. This is terrible. Um, and I think that's a hard part, right? I think we underestimate the, you know, the psychological elements of, of what we go through on a normal day. You know, it, a lot of our day is built out of routine, but it's built out of the movement too. It's built out of get up in the morning and I go and do this and I go here and then I make my way, yeah, get ready. And then I go, and the act of getting dressed and getting ready, leaving the home, going to work, then the routines that you have in the workplace that are all part of keeping that like really clean bill of health for your, for your mental capacity. And all of that ripped away and then you're meant to just do the same thing but in a confined space that you can't leave. It's You've got it's all these quite... degrees of separation though as well from when you at a normal day when you start your day and you get up and you're going to work and you organise the kids and you do whatever and either mum drops off or dad drops off or whatever that's done. You go to work, connect with a new group, new environment, different energy and you get your work done. Whereas now, you, there's no disconnect. Everything is just you try and get a separation, but you can't. You try and you can't. I'm I'm a patient person, but when it comes to if I had to get work done right now, uh, with two little, I would. 
There'd be steam coming out of my ears, eyes, and every other. I, I don't know how parents are. Like, I obviously don't Doing have to worry in. about that part that does my head in, let alone having well, you got Borhan to look after. It is. It's a lot of work. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. We're just coming out of uh, conversation on all things lockdown and, you know, a shout-out to those who are still in lockdown around the country. It's a little bit heartbreaking, but um, welcome to episode eight of The C Word. How you doing, Leroy? Outside of how you feel about about the old lockdown sitch. <laughs> oh. It's a lot, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's we shouldn't say it's a lot. In Queensland, we've been pretty blessed. I was going to say, we, yeah. We kick yeah. up a fuss. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What are we, two, three weeks since you've finished up? Um, I sort of Something forget like now. Like yeah. I'm pretty good at just um, moving like on from that <laughs> and just going, right, what's next? And um, when you've got two kids and you're in lockdown, what's next is – what are we watching next? What are we building next? What are we drawing next? What are we painting next? Yeah. Um, I can't really see like anymore, but my toenails, I've been scrubbing for the last three or four days because um, Max had to colour them all in, in um, to rainbows the Perfect. other night. I think and, that's appropriate. Um, so, it's a shame you actually haven't got them still. They look great with you. Oh, look, follow Laura's um, Facebook page <laughs> and you'll see um, pictures of my beautiful Shrek toes um, <laughs> painted in different colours. <laughs> So that's been our lockdown. Um, just had my dad move back to Adelaide. How um, long was now, he up here for? Uh, oh. Nearly my entire treatment. So plus then a couple of weeks. About five weeks. Post. Yeah, plus weeks, yeah. So five or six weeks. Has he been able to get back in? Oh, long story. Okay. He's stuck in Broken Hill in a tiny little hotel at the moment. Is he? With a tiny little balcony. (laughs) He got 250 kilometres in to South Australia, across the border, in, had all his paperwork done, everything, to then get told, um, sorry, but you need an exemption to return, even though he was going to self-quarantine for 14 days and so forth. And five hours before he left, he'd checked the information. It was all Okay. But in between him checking and him leaving, it went from a level five to a level six to get back in. Um, and he got turned around in South Australia and told to go back to Broken Hill. So that is he was, mental. yeah, uh, oh, look, for Dad, don't worry, I think at that point, he was just <laughs> like as much as he, he was awesome to yeah. have around. One, because uh, he could barely hear, so he half the time could, couldn't hear any of the noise the kids were making or that we were making or if Perfect. or whatever. It didn't really matter. Um, <laughs> two was he just keeps to himself and gets his his stuff uh, his stuff done. But by the end of it, he was exhausted. He was tired because, yeah. you know, he had two kids in the house most of the time. He would do drop-off, pick-up each day, all of that sort of stuff, which is why he came up um, and then do my drop-off and pick-up for the majority of my treatments. Mm. So I think he was just looking forward to – just going uh, relaxing somewhere, and um, it just happens to be in a one and a half star hotel. In um, well, in, he got what he asked for, relaxing somewhere. Yeah, in Broken Hill, um, and he sent me a couple of photos of the balcony overlooking beautiful. the roundabout and the main street. Oh, beautiful. Um, and he's had his woolies delivery done a couple of times. So lovely. He's currently eating, I think, um, like Maggie two minute noodles for dinner because. Beautiful. Um, they're not open for dinner, the hotel, only breakfast and lunch uh, very quickly. Oh, right. So, right. yeah. Well, shout out to Dad. Sorry to hear that. Mate. So Dad's gone home and so has um, Laura's mum. 
uh, Claire, she's also gone home. She was a little bit easier. Claire's she just flew. Lockdown, is she? Yeah, she flew back into Melbourne um, and straight home and was absolutely ready for a 14-day lockdown. Uh, and then I think it was not even a week, maybe four days, and it went into Melbourne, went back into a seven-day and continuing lockdown. So... Yeah. So um, she might be a bit longer than 14 days. Yeah, I don't think it phases her at the moment. Again, <laughs> after being around two young kids and um, running around after the both of us for a little while, she's a bit uh, tired and looking forward to being at home, I guess, and having a bit of time to herself. You haven't been taking anything. You're still on your time off, right? We said until the 18th. Um, eight more days until we have the next scan. Yeah, I'm still taking anti-seizure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is in all likelihood something that will continue for a long time. Um, how long, I don't know, but I know a lot of people that are on that have been particularly with brain cancer where they continue on that particular medication for a long period of time. Um, it just reduces in the volume that you need okay. to take, which my doctors have already said early on that they want to reduce it by a considerable amount. So, What is it, just a tablet? It's a couple of tablets, um, so, and they both have different um, effects on you or can have different effects. One can have an impact on mood swings, um, which I feel like I've been pretty good with. I've kept them under control. They're just standard mood swings, really. <laughs> um, and the other one um, has or can have a, a what can affect on you in terms of becoming drowsy. This is all on the lead up to kicking off for your chemotherapy again, which starts from when? Uh, it'll start after my MRI on the 18th. Okay. I have a meeting with my oncologist the following day. Yep. Um, That's when we get the feedback on the scan. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. And also about the dosage of chemotherapy that I'll be taking for the next six months. Yeah, right. And so then that six months you're back into the the, the kind of rigid setup of of well, what's what's a better way of saying it? The regimented kind of um, <laughs> setup of, of having to take chemo. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, my previous six weeks was every single day. So I had to take it every single day, yeah. every week. Um, Did you get the weekends off for that as well? Or you still took it on the weekends? No. Radiotherapy just radiotherapy. Was just the weekend yep. off. Okay. Um, whereas with this six months, it spanned out over six months. Your dosage is increased, but it's five days, the first five days of each month. So take that dosage for the first five days. Then I've got a week of detox um, and then two weeks of the month where um, – I can do all the normal things, kiss my wife, kiss my kids, not have to worry about flushing the toilet twice, okay. um, all of those bits and pieces. So um, Going into your original, so in that first six weeks, and you, there was a huge piece of um, mental preparation that went towards it because that's what mm. we spoke about, right, where you were kind of going, shit, have I been like all yeah. talk, right? Now coming out the other side, I know as someone on the sidelines, you know, I've kind of there's been a little bit of weight lifted. We've kind of gone into this pretend world of everything's kind of okay even though mm -hmm. we have no idea but we're yep. just playing in that world because it's, it's a lovely world to be in but you do <laughs> remind yourself sometimes it's not, 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 maybe not be the case on the lead up to this next round of six months of chemotherapy are you like are you are you 
nervous? Do you feel more comfortable with it? Do you have to build your your mental kind of focus back up again? No, like how do you, do really. you think about it? Um, no, not really. I just know it has to be done. So it's one of those things, I guess. It's, um, you know, everybody would have something they do at work each week where you might enjoy 90% of your work week, mm. but there's 10% where you've got to go and do the filing. And it's, you know, beneath your pay grade, but they're sharing amongst the office. You've got to go and do it. For me, that's all it is. It's just, it's a process. It's something that needs to occur. Um, and, and I know how it works, so I don't need to worry about the little details around that. Just have to get back into the habits of, yeah, flushing the toilet a couple of times and so forth and so forth. So, um, And the times of when you take your chemo and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yes. So okay. they'll be the only differences, but it's only for five days, first five days. So I look at it and go, it's pretty easy. Mm. Well, I guess this leads nicely into probably a little bit of an announcement that you have to make to those listening on in, in Radelaide. Radelaide. You might be interested to know of uh, where you'll be doing your chemotherapy treatment over those six months and beyond. Well, hopefully not beyond for chemo, but living beyond that. Fingers crossed not beyond that. Yeah, um, yeah. look, we obviously uh, when things like this pop up in your life, you reflect on where you're at and and whether or not you're in the space you want to be in, the job you want to be in, uh, your relationship, friendships, there's a whole range of things that sort of cross your mind. I've been in Brisbane now for six years, mm. um, seven in total because I had a year before uh, before that when I came up and ran Rach and Sam's cafe for um, 12 months and then went back to Adelaide for a short period and then moved back up here. So had a reasonable amount of time up here um, and initially it was moving up here to be with Laura. We made a, I guess, meet in the middle agreement. She was coming from Hamilton Island and where she lived for five years. So I thought it was a bit nasty if I dragged her all the way to Adelaide where it's freezing cold or <laughs> extremely hot. <laughs> Um, I would have just gone to Hamo to be fair. Oh, I crossed my mind. <laughs> um, uh, really, really small place, Hamilton and all. It's so, a very small place, yeah. Uh, that would yeah. actually be a little bit much. So moved here and obviously had our children um, and I've spent a lot of time with uh, my family, not so much with Laura's, um, especially not in the last couple of years with all the lockdown. Um and the one thing I've missed a lot, I guess, is uh, my friends. I've got a really large friendship group back in Adelaide that I've grown up with and through football and sailing and school and a whole range of things. Um, a lot of really significant friendships there that even though we communicate, I miss a lot. Um, and I've also missed, even though we've got the beaches up here and they're beautiful beaches, um, back home in Adelaide, I've got um, living at Largs Bay, um, Semaphore, through that region. Uh, we've got a beautiful peninsula along there and that's where I grew up and I had a great childhood growing up there. Brilliant. Loved it. Like, absolutely loved it. It was um, just, uh, you know, like a playground every weekend, I guess. So for me, I started thinking, well, where do I? I plan to be here for a long time, 
but where do I want my kids? What do I want my kids to know um, about me and why I am who I am? And and a big part of that is where I grew up and where I lived and my friends in that space. Um, and it might be a little bit selfish of me, but I know that I want them to experience that. Uh, and for me, I know that that's, uh, whilst it might be seen as, you know, going back to something that's comfortable, that's probably right now, not probably, is what I need. Mm. I need to go back to a place where I'm comfortable, where I know everything, where it's just second nature, where I'm two, 300 metres from the beach to go for a walk every night, to take the kids for a walk every night, where there's a playground every 500 metres, where my football club is a couple of uh, kilometres from where um, we'll end up living, where my sailing club is, you know, much the same, where my friendship group is based. That happened pretty quickly and it's something I asked my wife, Laura, uh, last year after my stepmom passed. Mm. We'd spent a fair bit of time down there and I realised how much I missed it. And I'd sort of mentioned it to her and she was was not huge on the idea initially. Um, one, because we do have great family up here and uh, I've got my nieces and now my little nephew, Leo, um, up here and you know, have really enjoyed that and Laura's really enjoyed that relationship amongst the kids. But I think she could see that for me right now, uh, again, it is selfish to a degree, um, but she could see that that's what I've wanted for quite a while. And I've kept it quiet because you don't want to go and tell your family and people up here that we're moving back to Adelaide because it's better. Um, I kind of was expecting this, I reckon. Over the last 12 months, I was just waiting for that moment where you go, yeah, you know what, just going back to going back to good old, good old Adelaide. Because the reality is you do hold those those things that surround you, the values that you have, things that you prioritise and that, that bring you joy sit within that space. And up here, whilst it's been amazing for all of us to be able to live close together, the reality is I don't necessarily you know, plan to be stuck in one place forever. And you know that, having we left and come back again. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of going, you have to just do what's right for you and you gotta do what's right for your family. And ultimately the you know two things that I asked you, which was when, when we're talking about it, one, um, dare we say in the space of what we're dealing with, but it's a bit of that deathbed mentality of kind of going irrelevant of whether you're in a situation like yourself where you're dealing with a health challenge, a significant health challenge or not. It's the ability to look and go, if something was to happen tomorrow, am I really fully happy with every single thing that I've got in front of me right now? Or am I at least moving towards those things that I truly want to have or a reality that I want to live in? And then followed up very quickly behind that is, does this idea or this move or this decision light my heart up with joy? Because I think that's what we have to look for, right? Am I true? Is it truly going to bring me joy by doing this? And I think without even having to talk to you and knowing you, you know, as well as I, I believe I do, it was almost like, well, it's a no brainer because it does. It's in your story. It's in your narrative. It's in all the things that you bring up. So I think it's, um, I think it's an exciting time. I think it'd be a, a great move for you guys. Yeah. We're pretty, we're pretty excited to get underway. I think I know the answer to this, but you know, for the sake of conversation, how did the, how did the rest of the family react uh, to your decision? Um, it's one, one of those really tricky ones, isn't it? Because you're, uh, I know Rachel, when I told her, was much the same as you. If if this is what you want and it's 
going to make you happy and it's the right, then absolutely, no questions, do it. But then there's also that underlying, but we really want you to stay and, um, you know, and we're going to miss you and so forth and the kids are going to miss you and, um, and I'm like, well, we're just a plane flight hmm. uh, and it's easy enough for everybody to do. Well, not currently, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I don't know what reality for, you're living in. For so 10% so of the year it's easy to travel. <laughs> um, so I think it was just a lot of natural reactions of um, happy that I have made that decision for, for me and my family but also a little bit of that but we really want you to stay mm. um, and I'd get that. It's completely natural. Um, yeah, people but are going to yeah. miss you. Like it's a reality of when you left Adelaide and all your friends would have had the same response, right? Like, oh, awesome, you're going to go and live up there. That's great but... Oh, like now we lose Lee. Do you know what I mean? Like we lose having you around and having that ability. I think it just kind of it comes with the it's just a natural thing. It's a natural, natural reaction and behaviour. Yeah. But the reality is you don't lose anything. It's just yeah. someone in a different space. So Is your dad happy? Uh yes. Yeah, look, Dad, I'd be lying if I said he was just sort of okay with it. He was pretty pumped. Um one because he hasn't – look, he's seen a bit of the boys, obviously, but he's had a lot going on over the last couple of years with my stepmum and her passing. So he's had a lot to deal with. And after spending a bit of time up here and getting to know the boys, he's um, just loves them to bits. And they're both – Max and Jack are both rough and tumble and I was a bit that way. And Dad connects with them in that. Space really well, mm. and I think also for Dad at his age now, um, it's good for him and uh, and his energy. So he's really excited about it. My sister Jane, who is having a baby, I was going to say Jane's about to have a baby, so it'll be a good time. Um, yep, so we'll be down there for that with her, which will be really really good because she'll mm. need the support. Um, and then I've got yeah, all my my good friends and I think like I said the other week, my best mate Luke, who um uh him and his partner Megan just had their little boy. Um only well, geez, I don't know how many weeks ago now, six, eight weeks ago. Um I've had that little one and I'm really looking forward to I've always wanted to share. We've shared a lot together, Luke and I, over a long period of time. Mm. And um I think I've mentioned it before that we used to be referred to all the time as the Leibits. <laughs> His surname is Ebert and my name's Lee, so we're always referred to as the Leibits. And we've done a lot together and have been really, really close mates and um, he supported me through a lot of things and I've supported him through a lot of things. But I, after having Max, I just I really wanted him to have a child so he could experience it and I wanted to be there to share that with him because he is my best mate. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, to sharing being a father with your best mate. I think everybody, what well, I don't know if everybody does, but um, I'm really looking forward to, to that because he's only a little fella and both of our boys are just little fellas, so it'll be a chance for the two of us to do some dad and boy stuff and go camping and yeah, out awesome. of the boat and, you know. Um, all of those bits and pieces. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Awesome. That's exciting. Mm. So then I guess it kind of leads to that. 
like I was thinking about this going, it's, it's interesting. You, you see people go through different challenges like this and they kind of, um, you know, you, you go through the scare and then you go through your treatment and, and throughout this time, lots of change will take place and for obvious reasons, right? So if we were to step back eight weeks ago, God, how much longer? Eight, nine, ten weeks ago? Let's call it ten weeks. Yeah. Um, where your headspace was at and how you kind of, how you're seeing the world and now fast forward to where you are now and you're now in a position where you're making a decision like this, a significant decision to go, actually, I'm going to honor that feeling and I'm going to move states and I'm going to move back to somewhere that aligns to, to these things. You, it, it's not uncommon, right? Like you see a lot of people do it. They go through significant change. They go, I'm going to start making these changes in, in different parts of my life. You're moving. That's great. What other areas have you... Where else have you changed your mind, shifted your thoughts, you know, like whether it's your diet or your exercise or drinking or lifestyle or behavior? I don't know. What what else have you kind of experienced? And I, and I guess the reason I ask this is thinking of other people who maybe are going through something significant and maybe have the same thing. Maybe they're, maybe they're challenged a bit more by it. Maybe they don't want to make that change, but their heart is saying to change it or not. Like what have you kind of experienced uh, um, over this time? I look up a lot, to be honest, I've had particularly in the last couple of weeks, I've probably had, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on my wife, um, and probably goes unrecognized, I guess, by, uh, by a lot because people look at me and go, gee, you're going through this, but it's not mm. just me. Mm. It, it is my family and it's my wife in particular. Um, and so there's been significant sort of changes for her there and she's been amazing in that space and I'm, I'm really really proud of the way that she has held the family together mm. um, in terms of myself and what I've seen this or what I've noticed it's changed is a, a long time ago I had my mum took me for uh, was it kinesiology or Bowen therapy or something something along yeah. those lines maybe kinesiology could have been I had I'd gone through something, I won't go into it, but I'd gone through something and um, I wasn't in a good headspace and so she said, right, you're going to go and see this lady and um, and and she'll help you. And me being the person that I was, probably still am to a degree, I'm like, <laughs> she better be good. <laughs> and she sat down and we went through a whole range of things and she's asking me all these questions. She's trying to get me to a point where I'm going to, you know, explode in tears. And I think I said it to her at the time, uh, are you wanting me to cry? today during this meeting because if that's the case, it's it's not going to happen. But I need to take something away from today's meeting because at that point I'm thinking it's costing me a couple of hundred bucks. I better take something away from this. <laughs> um, and and she gave me a really good piece of advice and she was probably a reflection of um, how good she was at her job. I don't, I've never seen her again. I don't know what she does now but... She said, all right, well, if I can give you one piece of advice, it's that um, when you're going through any sort of trauma or change, you can't dismiss it. And at some point each day, um, and it might not be each day, but generally it is, there's going to be a time where you are, you want to be angry or you want to be sad. Um, you want to be upset. So something in that range of emotions you want to be. But being in that range of emotion for a full day, or days is not healthy, uh, but it's healthy to be in that space for a period of time. So she just said to me, look, 15 minutes, set yourself for 15 minutes each day and that's your get the crap out, 15 minutes. If it's a cry, cry for 15 minutes. But when that timer goes off, 
stop, switch on to the day. You've shifted all that negativity or that that bad juju um, and you're now moving into the good, the good part of the day. Um, and I've used that a lot and I've had to be far more mindful in that space, particularly when um, I have been feeling a bit tired or you you know, you question things and you go, because it's a lot of work to maintain um, a positive uh, attitude, I guess. It's easy to, a lot, a lot of us say, you know, speak in that manner these days that it's all about positivity. Um, but it doesn't become genuine until you are genuinely faced with something um, like this where being positive uh, is important in terms of belief. Like I'm not just saying I'm positive. I'm believing in my attitude and and, and the way that I'm looking at this. And so I've had little challenges throughout, I guess, you know, the last couple of months in that space. And when I say little, it's been really, really small. It doesn't take much to sort of snap you back into um, reality. It might be, you know, Jack coming out and, saying something, doing something, it makes you laugh and all of a sudden you go, actually, you know what, life's pretty good mm. um, and I'm pretty lucky and I'm pretty blessed. So dump the crap, that's my 10 minutes done and, and move on. So I've had to become far more aware from a mindfulness perspective, um, from a diet perspective. Yeah, we've changed a little bit. I have um, haven't completely dumped sugar. I'm not one of those people that I haven't gone out and bought, you know, 20 copies of the no sugar cookbooks um, and I'm certainly not making raw slices um, or anything like that um, but I have tried to remove sugar from my diet wherever I can um, you never used to eat that much sugar to be no fair. I didn't but um, I think we've said this before yeah. when I moved up here you know things change don't blame it changes. on Queensland Jeez. and um, and I and I did start indulging a little bit more uh, and eating far more and a little um, indulgent to the old Tim Tams or into the old Tim Tams, <laughs> Cadbury's, Clinkers, you know, the work. So I've just made an active um, decision, I guess, to go, right. Sugar was a bad thing. Alcohol was also told Al- to Alcohol is just, just um, from an inflammation point of view. Yeah. So everybody knows when you drink alcohol, um, it inflames different parts of your body just because it's not great. Um now, if I had cancer anywhere else and it was in my toe and probably wouldn't worry too much about my toe being inflamed, but um, when it comes to your brain, you've got a skull that doesn't expand. And um, from that perspective, I, ha- I guess I have to be really mindful. I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again because I love good red wine far too much. Um, one of my really good mates back in Adelaide, uh, Jamo, set me up a few bottles of his new wine called Chance Encounter. That's the brand anyway. And I hadn't had wine for a long time and I had a couple after um, treatment and it was absolutely delicious and amazing. <laughs> There's so much joy that comes with that. How can it be? Oh, there is, but <laughs> there is, but there was something in there was something in me after I had it that I was like, it felt wrong. That's right. It felt wrong because I was thinking I'm trying to I'm I'm trying my absolute best to maximize my time yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. For my children and yeah. for my wife and my family. So is it selfish of me to go 
and just drink alcohol, even though it might have a negative effect. Yeah, it is. Mm. So, and that, everybody will look at it differently and others might go through this stuff and drink and smoke and do whatever they want and that's their own choice. Yeah. But for me, um, I guess bar- balancing out your morals and and then what your body requires and what it needs to be its absolute best. Yeah, um, yeah I've cut out drinking. Um, and then and food, you've, you've been eating. Um... Yeah, we've been eating vegan four nights a week. I oh, know. God, you're becoming a vegan, not even talking about oh, it. You're not I'm a real not, vegan. I'm not going to become a... I'm not, I'm <laughs> and not I should gonna, know it because I eat plant-based. So yeah. I'm not going to becoming... Ve- I'm not going to be a vegan. I know that much. Vegan, CrossFit, any of those ones. Um, I'm guaranteed to talk about it. I've done both. I mean, yeah. I have to admit that's I'll never to be a CrossFitter. <laughs> I'll never be a CrossFitter. I don't like wearing my socks pulled up to my knees. To no, train. I wasn't one of those CrossFit. I didn't have the old um, No, but, no, it's good. Have you have you seen a... a again, it's not about... You're not sitting here recommending anything. You're just talking about your own experience. So mm-hmm. by shifting your diet and 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 reducing certain things like, you know, meat and and whatnot by having the more plant based meals, has have you felt an effect? Do you feel better for it just in general? I certainly noticed um, whilst taking my chemo um, tablets. Anyway, that whilst your body's consuming these medicines, it's uh, there's a lot of work and energy that goes into processing that why burden your body anymore with a 600 gram steak every night even though i love that um why do that it's lighten the load on your body and make some changes where you can and and you know i might end up doing it six days a week or seven days a week i don't know but for now i know the balance of around about four to five um dinners uh throughout the week where we have our plant-based or vegan, um, has helped. Mm. I certainly got to time it right. Um, if you eat too early, you'll get hungry later. I find <laughs> that anyway. Uh, it certainly increases my appetite in the morning, which is important for me because it's important to start the day and go and get some good food into my belly early and get things rolling and get the energy in. So um, it certainly helped in that space. You go to bed a little bit easier, you're a little bit lighter, body processes everything a little bit easier, get up in the morning. You don't have that lag of an enormous meal from the night before where you go, you know what, I'll just wait until lunch and then I'll make a bad choice at lunch. You wake up and you go, actually, I'm I'm ready to eat. What am I going to have? I think Mm. I'll have something good and light to start the day. Mm. So not something that we'll do all the time, but it's certainly something that we've incorporated and we've enjoyed it. There's some really good stuff. Did you expect you would make these changes before? Like, again, so so the whole point of that conversation was, I guess, going back to the start, seeing where you're at now. Changes are actually as a result of, you know, you are saying there was treatment in terms of how your body was feeling, but now you're kind of looking and going, oh, I'm actually pretty happy mm. with some of these changes as well. Did you kind of foresee it? Is it something that kind of caught you by surprise or you just kind of go, oh, look, it's just a catalyst and it is what it is? Um, no, I think you... You know that when when something like this comes up, you know that there are going to be changes. Mm. It's inevitable that there will be changes. And if you think that there's not going to be, then you're probably a little bit naive mm. and maybe not taking taking it seriously enough or giving it some, you know, full merit. So for me, I knew that there would be changes. I didn't want to force them though, and that was one recommendation from the oncologist that I've been seeing is that 
don't go and force any change. Don't go from eating steak seven nights a week to eating vegan every day and not having this and doing this. Don't make drastic changes because your body will have to deal with all these enormous changes and its systems are going to have to change mm. and you're going to have to absorb treatment. So you've got to find something in the middle that's going to work for you where your body feels like it's not under stress, where it can cope with the treatment, but you can make changes. So we just gradually made changes and it's a bit like training, I guess. Like you're not going to go in and go, oh, I'm going to run a marathon today even though I haven't run. I'm going to start building into this. Mm. So for me it was just building into those little changes. Has Laura been enjoying them? <laughs> um, has she yes. been making the changes? Yeah, yeah, she has. She yeah. has. Um, I don't know if she's um, adopted the same no sugar as I have, um, <laughs> but I, I completely understand because it's um, we've had, you know, people in and out of the house. Um, she's still working and busy in that space and – um, you always tend to want to go back to your vice, I guess. Yeah, and, 100%. And, it, and if I could, I, I probably would have drunk red wine every single night going through treatment just to... Well, at least through lockdown. <laughs> yeah, or through lockdown. But yeah. I know that that choice for me, it's not a smart choice. It's not one that I... Yeah. It's just not smart for me to do, so... Well, I think for anyone listening along, if you are interested in... In a bit more, hearing a bit more around the story of Laura, she is, uh, she's actually been on, um, or she'll be featured on another podcast, uh, which is releasing on Monday, um, called This Is Me by Podshape. So uh, if you want to have a listen along to that, she tells a bit of her story on there, actually. Have you heard it yet? I haven't. I haven't either. I haven't. I'm looking but... forward to it. He looked at me and he looked at me and he was... He looked at me and he was crying and he said, I'm just so sorry. There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. And it was so sad that someone that's just been told that is thinking about anyone else but themselves. Like, he's so selfless and it's just... Like, that's what actually set me off. I hadn't cried until that point. And I was like, you have nothing to be sorry about. You don't choose this. Like, this chooses you. Unfortunately, there's no cause. There's nothing There's nothing anyone can do. It just chooses who it chooses, which is the worst part of the whole thing. So he got himself together and he said, this is really fun. Can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He said, this is really fucked that now I have to go and tell my dad this. So we walked back and we'd like got it together a bit. Brian is his dad and he was sitting there and he looked up and he looked up with like so much hope on his face that it was all going to be okay. And Lee just kept walking. Lee just walked straight past him because he was preparing himself to talk to him. But when he looked up, there was just no way that anyone would want to break that news to their dad. All right. Well, I guess the next time that we talk, you're, uh, it'll, it'll be post your MRI, so we'll at least have some results mm-hmm. to be able to talk through. Yes. See how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. See where we're at. Yep. And uh, when are you, when's the move planned for? What day? When's the celebrations happening in, in the rads for all your friends down there? Uh, I look, I th- you know, they've probably already started. 
um, in Adelaide. <laughs> They'll just continue through till we arrive. They're already at the pub. Um, <laughs> Works, aren't they? Are know, they locked down still? Right? Uh, no. Tenth um, of September. So we're just going to squeeze everything in between between now and then, and um, we'll fly home. And uh, rather than drive, yeah, um, I think it's probably good. Yeah, don't really want to drive. Yeah. Knowing my luck, we'll get locked in Broken Hill for two weeks. Oh, your dad will still be there. So <laughs> dad will that'll be fine. Well, oh, their dad's probably bought the hotel. He's actually <laughs> just staying there. He's living there now. He's yeah, staying out. Sold up the property in Adelaide and he's relocated. Well, and that is where we can continue on the C Word podcast, coming live from Broken Hill. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll do our monthly catch-ups with you outside by the roundabout <laughs> and a look up the balcony. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to coming live from Broken Hill, but that will be after our next catch-up uh, about your own mind. Broken Hill.